Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Uliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. I want to ask you a question. Actually, I want to ask you a series of questions, and I'm going to endeavour to cover a topic today, which I think is a really interesting one, and maybe one that's a little bit different for me to cover, but I really believe God wants us to have joy, not just happiness. I don't believe He wants us to exist with just happiness. I believe that He wants us to actually experience the joy that He has made available for every one of us. We talk about the Scripture in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength, but what does that actually mean? What is, it, what is it talking about? And we can unpack the context of that a little bit later on. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a true statement. But He doesn't want us just to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. Jo- joyful in hope and anticipation about what is possible and what is coming. I wonder what makes you happy though. I wonder what makes you laugh. When was the last time you actually had a good belly laugh? You know, when you laugh so hard that your eyes are like streaming with tears and you're like, almost you can't breathe <gasps> because it's, you're laughing so hard. I think God loves that. And I, do you think God laughs in heaven? Oh, I think He does. I think He looks at some of the mistakes I make and He goes, oh man, try it again. But I believe that He laughs. The Bible says He rejoices, so that's joy. He rejoices and sings songs about you, um, Narell, Maddie, others. He rejoices over us with singing, but what is it that makes you happy? What I do know that is that laughter is a great medicine. Yeah, if you've had a challenging moment and you know, for whatever reason, it's like there is a weight that comes. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes there's this weight and the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit, it dries the bones. It saps the energy. That's in the New King James Version. It doesn't say saps your energy, just in case you're looking for it. But in the New Living Translation, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. The truth is prolonged periods of grief and sadness can actually cause a weight and an imbalance in us. Please don't get me wrong and say sadness doesn't happen to everybody. Bad things don't happen to everybody. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes good things happen in life. What our desire is that they would be more favourable, right? Happy, pleasant. Like that scripture says that my feet have found themselves in pleasant places. That life wouldn't be always challenging. I love what it says in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, a, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing both to the body and the soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and at times depression. And the truth is, you know, the body and the soul, you'll prosper even as your soul prospers. Correct? It's a a wonderful scripture that you will prosper like your soul prospers. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. God is committed to us pursuing Him. He loves it when we're happy, but He's also wanting us to understand that there is more happiness than just laughter. There's a real joy that's available that is, 
You know, we used to sing about big and unspeakable, full of glory. There was a hymn, there was a line in the hymn, we used to sing that. There are still times when I find myself in those inappropriate moments where I am sitting in, in a situation, it's quiet, it's, you know, important, and something catches my eye and just tickles my sense of humour, and I struggle to contain it at times. Have you ever felt like that in a, in a setting where it's just like somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody makes a mistake, and it's just funny, and you just, and you find yourself chuckling, and all anybody can see is this. It's because you're laughing, and I still experience those things at times. You get that tickle in the side, and it's just like, oh my goodness, I've got to contain it. I shouldn't be thinking that. Go away in the name of Jesus. But I still experience that joy sometimes, that excitement, this, that, that, because maybe it's because I have an interesting sense of humour. I don't know. I can remember being in the lunchroom with one of my bosses who happened to be my neighbour. His name was Laurie. And Laurie, I was always a bit afraid of him until I worked with him. And as I got to know him, I found out that he actually had a wonderful sense of humour. He was old enough to be my dad. And, uh, you know, he was a very qualified person and... It wasn't until years later that I realised the influence that he was having on my life, but I remember sitting with Laurie on a particular work site, and I don't even know why. Somebody would say something, and then we'd just begin to laugh. And it it was just such a wonderful season. I remember going out of that lunchroom caravan on this building site where there were no cups that were cleaned, very unhygienic, Um, but there was something special about the laughter that we enjoyed. And I've experienced that with many other people as well. You know, the dictionary defines laughter as this, an auditory expression of a, out of a lumbar position, emotional, oh, sorry, a, let me start again. An auditory expression of laughter, a positive emotion, positive state, such as joy, mirth, happiness or relief. What laughter does is this, that it stimulates many organs in our bodies. Laughter enhances our intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, your lungs and muscles. It also increases the endorphins that are released by your brain and activates and relieves your stress responses. Laughter is a wonderful thing. So a merry heart does good like a medicine. It makes sense, right? Come on, don't leave me hanging. It makes sense, right? Doesn't it? That a merry heart, laughter is a good thing. No wonder the Bible talks about it. I wonder what it is that actually makes you laugh. And I was going to play a video right now, but I'm not going to. So guys, don't play it yet. Probably won't actually just for the sake of time. For me personally, um, it's often the fail videos. I confess it's the fail videos that my kids send me and I look at them and I go, I shouldn't be laughing, but there's something in me that finds it funny. Yeah, animals sometimes, when you see them on those Instagram things, am I alone? You know, when they're running around and all of a sudden they stop and they have that weird look on their face or they're jumping around everywhere. Or maybe it's um, little children that you watch, somebody sends and they laugh and something inside you just wants to laugh and enjoy that laughter with them. But there is a significant difference between happiness and joy. There is a significance that is actually quite remarkable. God's interested in you being happy, but not at the expense of things that are ungodly and sin. He's interested in your happiness and you being happy, but not at the expense of things that are ungodly or sin. I want to present to you two thoughts today. The first one is this, does God want to make you happy? Is He committed at the ultimate end to making you happy and making sure you have a good life? 
a happy life. Is that what His end goal is, to make you happy? Of course, God wants us to experience good things. And He's totally committed to our well-being. But I want to present to you three quick thoughts about the pursuit of happiness that maybe we've all been sucked in by. You mean, what do you mean by that? I want to present a possible theology or philosophy that you may not have actually heard before. If God was totally dedicated to your happiness above all else, then it's understandable that our thinking would be, if God wants to make you and I happy, that must be right. And whenever mistakes or things that make us unhappy, they must be wrong. This is what we would believe if we were ready to believe that God wants us to be happy. Cheryl Crow, a well-known singer from a few decades ago, it has been on my playlist. If it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why are you still so sad? I've changed one of the words in there. But if it makes you happy, how can it be wrong? If God was totally dedicated to your, to my happiness, above all else, come on, go with me here, then discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconvenience, obstacles can't be God's will. Because they don't make me happy. They make me sometimes really challenged. In other words, if something happens to me that I didn't want to happen to me, if it's inconvenient or hard for me, then it's not God. And what He wants for me, because He wants me to be happy. It can't be God's will for my life when these things happen. That's if God was totally dedicated to our happiness. Without knowing it, we begin to worship other gods, false gods. Gods of comfort, money, pleasure and things. Out of the back of, at back of COVID, did we not find a new rhythm in life? Did we not find the things that made us happy and enjoyed comfort and a different slow pace of life? I remember talking to the guys at the cafe up the road at Dose, by the way, which is a great cafe, great people. And I said to them, I said, what do you think? And he goes, I'm just so grateful. We couldn't have carried on at that pace. I really enjoy this slow, more comfortable pace of life. But I believe that what it does at times, if we don't recognise it and arrest it for the wrong thinking that it is, that God's more interested in your happiness than joy, then what it does is it causes us to actually have a form of godliness, to worship other gods, false gods, gods of comfort, money, pleasure and things. I honestly believe that this is where many people find themselves living today, pursuing these things. Even though we declare ourselves to be Christians, without really realising it, we start pursuing the things that make us happy and the enjoyment and that God would make us happy over godliness and an ungodly lifestyle. God's asked us to be godly, hasn't He? He's asked us to shine like stars because we're His ambassadors, but the pursuit of happiness doesn't make the light shine brighter. It actually causes us to live with a form of godliness that is actually short of what His plan is for our lives. Look, this is about my life as well as everybody today and online and everybody today, right? Wrongly believing that God is ultimately committed to our happiness above all else. 
The reason why this type of thinking is wrong is because if God exists to make me happy, then God exists to serve me. Does that sound right? You're not sure, you're cautiously excited. I can tell. Thanks, Jill, I know that you'd get that one. But the truth is, if God exists to make me happy, then He exists to serve me because that's the kind of theology that you'd go down the track of, right? It'd be like thinking our faith is like a rewards-based system. If I go to church, if I pray, if I read my Bible, then surely God will bring the breakthrough. It's like having a mentality that says, if I do A plus B plus C, then this is gonna be the result. And when it doesn't happen, what's our response? God let me down. I've had that confession. God didn't come through. I'm not very happy. Is anybody else like this or is it just me? We think about these things because it's not about the happiness, it's about the joy that He brings. The problem with having a happiness theology is we find ourselves in a place where we're not happy. And when it happens, it's like, has God failed me? The Bible speaks about it in many places and we read of God's faithfulness to us and His promise to never leave us, forsake us. And probably the most common one that we read is Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. The Lord Himself goes before you and He'll be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. At times it can be easy to justify ourselves in saying something that we justify something that is we know that is wrong in doing, but it makes us happy. Like wasting time. We only have one life to live. That's why we want to make it count. But maybe it's binging on Netflix too many times every day in a row. We want revival, don't we? Come on. We want revival, don't we? But revival starts with me. And I can't afford to have a theology that says that I want to be happy at the expense of actually what it will cost me. You know, I find it a profoundly challenging thing that God says to us in 1 Peter 1, 15, but just as He who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. We want revival, but we condone such stuff. We'll watch stuff. Now, please hear me and go with me for a minute. We will read books that are ungodly, that actually present ungodly things. We will watch things and will go into our eyes and into our hearts and into our thinking that is ungodly. But we want revival, right? No, we don't. Because we're not prepared to lay down our lives and what it will cost us to pursue personal revival. Somebody said to me the other day, do you think... Our corporate revival that we pray for is determined by our personal revival. And I said, yes, I do believe that in part. The truth is what I found in my own life is God's ultimate desire. And I know I'm going on a little bit longer today. Please understand. God's ultimate desire is that we would pursue Him above all else. We have an obligation as followers of Christ, ambassadors of Christ to live a life that reflects a moral purity, holiness, righteousness life, a righteous life that reflects the goodness, grace, nature and character of God. If we pursue happiness, comfort and ease, we're never gonna see what we dream for. We're never gonna see what we pray for. Yes, He's God and He doesn't need us, but He chooses to use us. 
He's not asking us to be something that we're not or to do something that is impossible. Because 2 Peter 1, 3 says that He's given us everything we need for a godly life. God desires that we would experience true joy. The fruit of the Spirit. When we read about it in Galatians, we read that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's an evidence that God is working in us. The joy. Joy in your life and in my life is evidence. It's not happiness. There's a, there's a difference. There's a joy. It's evident that Christ is working in us. Rick Warren says this, Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Knowing that He has got my back in every situation, every circumstance, He's never leaving me. It's knowing that I have that assurance, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay. And that the determined choice to praise God in every situation is important. The truth is rejoicing brings joy. Rejoicing in who He is, His goodness, His great. doesn't mean to say it's not easy. Sometimes it's incredibly challenging to want to raise your hands because of what's going on the inside. Do you know what I mean? But to understand that happiness is a feeling based on circumstances, but joy is an attitude that defies circumstances. Joy is an attitude that defies circumstances. We read in Nehemiah 8.10, as I said before, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. There is something about the joy of the Lord that is not subject to circumstances, to world circumstances and conditions. The joy of the Lord that we can experience is not determined by what's happening, by the wars or rumours of wars or the affliction or the poverty or the decline of morality. Our pursuit of happiness or if we get what we're believing for or dreaming for, the joy, the joy that God offers us is not based upon that. Joy lives in us. We just got to tap into it. The Spirit of the resurrected Christ lives in you. It's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. There is joy available that's actually different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. You know, when we read that Scripture in Nehemiah, I just want to really unpack this very, very quickly as we just draw things to a close. It reads like this, then Nehemiah continues, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. Sounds like Coke and, you know, Hungry Jacks. And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Wow. Wow. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Do not be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I just want to unpack the context so you understand. The place was in ruin, right? Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. But what about Ezra? Ezra rebuilt the temple. Ezra and Nehemiah, it was one book. It's separate books now that we read. But when I read this, the context is this. They've been trying to rebuild the walls around the city. The temple had and was being rebuilt. They've been trying to rebuild the walls for 70 years and they couldn't do it. It was still in a place of, you know, despair or, you know, it was just a mess. 
But when Nehemiah encouraged and called the people to come and repair the walls, and by the way, the name Nehemiah actually means comforter, Holy Spirit. It's amazing what you can achieve when you engage the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change in your life, isn't it? And within a space of 52 or 55 days, the wall was rebuilt. The other thing that happened is they rediscovered the Scriptures that they'd lost. They came, look, they got out of rhythm. They lost the Word of God. They hadn't heard it read. Sometimes we lose the Scriptures and it's under our bed and we just haven't taken time to off the top and, and to open it and to read it. But it says that they began to read the Word of God. They built a platform, they read it from the platform. And what happened was that the people began to weep. This is the context. They began to weep. People would go out and explain what the Word of God was meaning. It sounds like a church service, doesn't it? They would go out and explain and the people would weep and they were sorrowful because they realised up here was God's standard and how they were living was down here. They had a revelation of their ungodliness and how holy God was and they began to weep. And the reason why the Scripture is powerful is because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the revelation, the understanding that actually we've been wrong and we need to get right with Him. Is a change in our thinking and our mental disposition and the joy and the understanding standing that came, they celebrated. That's why they said, don't be sombre, don't be sad, but rejoice. Today's a wonderful occasion. That's why we would say, remember the day that you asked Christ to come into your life. Do you remember that? The joy. That's why we would say that in heaven today, there is rejoicing. That's why we would applaud when people come to faith last night at Youth Alive. You know, hundreds of young people acknowledging their need for a, a Saviour. The place was like in an uproar, excitement. When I read the Scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Absolutely. The joy of understanding who He is in my life, right relationship. And understanding when we engage the power of the Holy Spirit, change can take place. How beautiful is that picture? That there is a joy that's available for us. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5:16, it says, always be full of, or always be joyful in the New Living Translation. And in Philippians 4:4, 4, 4, always be joyful of the Lord, or joyful in the Lord, I say it again, rejoice. And 1 Thessalonians 5:18, it says, Be thankful on all occasions, for this is God's will for you. Not that bad things that happen are God's will, because He doesn't do that but that He's with you and He's for you. He's on your side, promising that He'll never leave you or forsake you. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.